This the remix. Kelsey Plum for three. Right off the inbounds. A pass from Gray. And uh, Aces with another quick strike. KP, nothing but net. Plum working on waves. Oh, beautiful move. Up, under, shake it up. Put it in the blender, KP. Oh, yeah, a little vanilla ice cream with some chocolate syrup there. Plum down the lane, left hand. And one for KP. Hung in the air. Got the foul on Brianna Jones. And KP scores the bucket and a chance for a three-point play. Gray for three. Boom! Shaka-laka-laka! Laka. Boom, boom, boom! Three times and one! A foul! Mercy me! Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. The Las Vegas Aces are up 2-0 in the WNBA Finals. They just need to win one more game, and they will be the WNBA champions. Game four, or excuse me, game three is Thursday in Connecticut. If they lose, game four would be Sunday in Connecticut. And if it gets pushed to five, that would be back here in Las Vegas on next Tuesday, but at MGM Grand, not at their home arena of Michelob Ultra Arena. Um, Mark Davis is obviously the owner of the team. Is he cheering harder for them to win in three than anybody else has ever cheered for a team to win? So he can get back for the game against Arizona. If they win in three, Mark Davis, won't I mean, have I think any... he's cheering for them to win period. Right. But he wants it in three. Sure. Really? Badly. They all want it in three really badly. Wants yeah. it in three because if they lose, he told Paul Gutierrez of ESPN that he will be at the WNBA finals. He's, he's going to be there till they clinch it. Right. Well, he wasn't there in game one, but, but uh, they didn't clinch it. Uh, he will be there in game four. If in fact, game four has, because game four would happen. I believe at noon, our time and yes. the Raiders and Cardinals play at one, one. or one twenty or whatever uh, our time. So overlapping games and on the other side of the country. So even if they weren't, he'd have a hard time getting right. back and forth. Um, so he's definitely wants it. By the way, I'm going to tell you, I, reading body language from the top of the arena all the way down to Mark Davis sitting courtside, he didn't look very happy last night. Really? I imagine he was sitting there still worrying about Derek Carr and the offense. Oh, because of that? I thought he looked <laughs> look happy because of how the Aces game were was hey, playing out. He, didn't, he did not look as happy as I would think the owner of a team who's one win away from a championship should look. Boy, you draw some conclusions from I the top do. of the arena. I My do. goodness, from the top of the arena, he looks down at Mark Davis and says he doesn't look like he's happy enough. Okay, but let's also think. This is Tyler reading emotions. Yep. The person, nope, great yeah, it. let's go ahead and, uh, like, let's go ahead and trust Tyler, the numbers guy, <laughs> to be like, what's their body language like? Listen, I'm pretty sure he's the only one in the arena not standing for miss twice, get a slice. I'm pretty sure if he wants a slice, he gets <laughs> a slice. slice. Nah, it's Mark Davis. He's going to be like, get the freeze pizza. Okay, I need. that's the question we should have asked Sam Gordon. Have you ever seen Mark Davis in line yeah. for, the pizza? For, hey, for the pizza? He doesn't own the arena, and he doesn't own the pizza place at Mandalay Bay. He might need that get a free that's, slice. That's got to be something you negotiate into the contract As whenever the owner. your team is Our playing. owner gets one slice, and you bring it to him. You think Spanos is out, is out at like SoFi, and he's just like, the sodas here are outrageous. Uh, are they playing at Michelob Ultra Arena next year? Uh, why wouldn't they be? I thought they, they've had their lease was like always coming up and they were going to move somewhere. Mark Davis has talked about moving somewhere before. Wonder where he's thinking. Yeah, but I don't, but I, they haven't announced anything. But like, 
they obviously I'll tell have... you one thing, the practice facility's coming along because yeah, I see it right, every day that we go to the Raiders. Right there by um, the Raiders facility. Right, right next door. But, like, obviously the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson would be a legitimate option, but I don't know. I just, it's well, always... They'll take them. <laughs> they'll pay them. They'll pay them to come. The mayor of Henderson's going to write oh, them a yeah, check. Oh, yeah, she'll write a check to get the aces they'll, over they'll there playing players? their games. What do you need, $10 million to come play? Sure. Here? Yeah, we, we got it in the coffers. We'll find that. We're not going to update any of the roads or anything like that. We got to get the aces over here. All right. Jared, you got the fun button for the show? The transition button for us? Press box. Transition. The owner of the Phoenix Suns and the (laughs) Phoenix Mercury, Robert Sarver, has been suspended for a year by the NBA and fined $10 million. Uh, The NBA launched an investigation into Sarver and the Suns after an ESPN story. Uh, The NBA investigation found that Sarver used the N-word at least five times. Jesus. Uh, the investigation included interviews of more than 320 current and former employees, Sarver, uh, and it examined more than 80,000 documents, uh, including emails, text messages, and video. So ESPN's story, the initial story that was uh, sometime last year, it had some some details to it. One of them was he allegedly asked why he can't say the N-word because Draymond Green runs up the court saying the N-word. And he asked one of his coaches, well, why can't I say it? Uh, He had a coach at the time that was black and told him to fire his agent who was black. And when the coach said, well, I can't, how would it look if I fire my agent, who's one of the few black agents, because you asked me to. And uh, Sarver said, yeah, I understand what race you two are. So I'm asking you, how bad do you want your job? Uh, And then beyond the racism, ESPN also had this detail. More than a dozen employees recalled Robert Sarver making lewd comments in all staff meetings, including discussing times when his wife would perform oral sex on him. Four former employees said that in all staff meetings, Sarver claimed he needed to wear Magnum or extra-large condoms. Former employees said he asked players about their sex lives and the sexual prowess of their significant others. A real winner here, old Rob Sarver. So is this? I, I'm sorry, like you, I get you're going to go to a serious point, but is there just like do billionaires just go into rooms and are creepy with one another, and then when they leave those rooms, they don't realize? That's not behavior normal people yeah, are yeah, acceptable. We're back in society. No, I do I do think you're like I do think you're onto a main point of this that a lot of people that have this much money don't live in reality with Right. 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 That's and that's so yeah, that's that's they think that's they, acceptable. They think except their reality is not ours. Or they or they might know it's not acceptable, but they think, well, I own this team, so right. whatever I say is acceptable and you just have to deal with it. Um my main question from this, how does Robert Sarver still own the Phoenix Suns? That was the question of uh, one uh, Mrs. Graney last night. She watched it and said, wait a minute, why wasn't he forced to sell the team? Right. Why was this a one-year suspension, yeah. $10 million fine? Which to him is 10 bucks. Right. Why was this not... A, we are going to force Robert Sarver out. And I'll say... Why was this not a Donald Sterling situation? Right. Maybe this is step one, and in a year from now, we are talking about Robert Sarver being forced out of owning the Suns and the Mercury. But I just... I 
I went back and reread the ESPN story from last year, right? Read the the now news story about what the NBA found and everything, and just kept reading, being like, "So you're not forcing this guy out?" Right. And here's the other part: the NBA's report on this. The release noted that the investigation made no findings that Mr. Sarver's workplace misconduct was motivated by racial or gender-based uh, animus. How, how is that? How is that possible with all the stuff right. you already read? How do you find that stuff and then come back and say, "Well, he's not racist right. or misogynistic"? So I did a lot of I when when I was in college, I wrote a lot about Donald Sterling, and so the, I will say that Donald Sterling was like everyone knew for years, and they should have done it twenty years ago. Right. Whenever he would say stuff to Elgin Baylor, that would right. make your skin crawl. I'm not saying that, that it's different, but it's like you set the precedent. You at, set the precedent. Three that, decades of of acting like this. Well, okay, but what I meant was, when this all comes to light, you don't let that guy continue to own yeah. the team. It's I don't know. I, I just like their the ESPN their story. They had um, a current and former staffer talk to him, and the former staffer said it's barely a slap on the wrist and shows us the league truly doesn't stand. For diversity, uh, equity, or inclusion, current staffer said, "I'm so bleeping mad. Uh, so are many others." Right. I, I I don't know. Like it just was amazing to me that this came out and it wasn't followed with Robert Sarver's being forced being forced to sell the team, right? And because that seemed like the the logical conclusion to all of this. And we have a precedent, right? Yeah, and. I don't, like we talk about it a lot in the NFL with like, oh, why does Dan Snyder still exist and all this? Is there a level of this that NBA owners are like, well, I wouldn't want Jerry to be Richardson. To, I wouldn't want to be forced to sell my team if they found out what I said to my coaches. Right. Like, I, why I is know. it one and not the other? Why is Jerry Richardson out and Dan Snyder's in and Sterling's out and Robert Sarver's still in after a year? Like Jared said, there should be there's precedent to where you should just see it and say, okay, well, this is what ha- this is the assigned discipline for things like this and it's not they just kind of pick and choose it seems like i mean they i mean they do get to pick and choose because it's not it's not court of law where we've got to follow a certain you know law or follow right. a certain precedent they basically can pick and choose when they want to force somebody, force somebody out, out or not force somebody out or whatever so that's ultimately what it is but it's just it's bizarre to me that all this comes out and it's not a hey it, it's a hey yeah we're gonna punish him and it's probably the most. It's probably like, it's probably like the biggest punishment they're allowed to give out. Right, is a ten million dollar fine and suspend him for a year, or whatever. But like, hey, we're going to punish him, but we're not going to force him out of our league. Like they're basically saying, we're okay with this guy in our league, right? Which is, I, I would imagine, if you're the NBA, you don't. And same for the WNBA, right? Like you're going to have mas- an owner who has been misogynistic with his organization owns a WNBA team. Like I would feel like from both levels, you'd be like, yeah, we don't want this guy around our league or in our league. But after a year, he'll be back and be the owner of the team and be able to act as the owner of the team. So it's just, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But again, I, I will say maybe this is just step one. And in six months from now, in a, month, a year from now, we're talking about Robert Sarver forced out. And this was right. just step one. And maybe it, for whatever reason, the NBA is slow playing it. Because, I mean, you can't. You can't well, come in immediately and just be like, the team is no longer yours. Like, he, he's the owner of the team. He, you've got to force him out to an extent. So maybe it's just step one in a process that's going to take a little bit longer than, I don't know, we're hoping for with immediate justice. What I will say is one of the details of when they forced Donald Sterling out is they gave it to they gave the team to his wife to sell. 
and his wife, if you looked through her history, she used to go door to door in their slums and would make statements about Asian and Latino people that would, again, make your skin crawl. But somehow she was going to be the responsible party in all this. And that got them a hell of a lot of backlash. Right. So maybe they've learned, okay, if we're going to force this guy out, we got to follow some proper steps this time. All right, let me try to give you guys a story that I saw on the internet like a couple weeks ago, see if I can remember this. Uh, there was, a, I think the guy was a firefighter, and he was uh, voluntold by his um, boss to go to this party. And he goes to this party that's hosted by this white couple. And he afterwards claimed that it was, they were just hit. It was a Juneteenth uh, celebration hosted by this white couple. But this guy says when he got there, they were just like all the racist stereotypes, right? Fried chicken, watermelon, like all the, oh, all the stuff you could hit on to, for racist stereotypes. And the couple that hosted it held a press conference with their lawyer to try to like clear their name. And they were like, well, we didn't do any of that. Like we, not at all. And the lawyer got up there at the end of the press conference and was like, I challenge the media to find one thing that my clients have done that are racist. And before they actually left the press conference, they had found a parody Twitter account run by the wife that made fun of black people. <laughs> and it's what it, I, I'll have to send you guys the video. It is one of the most Wait. amazing news stories I've ever seen because of how stupid these people were. They, his, his captain made him go to this party? His ca And the lawsuit wasn't even really about the couple. The lawsuit was about the captain forcing him to go to something after work hours or something right. like that. But the couple was like, well, our name's getting dragged. We've got to go clear our name. They, they held their own press conference to clear their name, and it ended up with the wife being like, well, yes, I do run a Twitter account that tweets out racist things about black people, <laughs> but we're not It's It's one of the most incredible videos I've ever seen. All right, coming up next. Sam and Ash join the show. Delivers. And Freeman with a shot to right center field. Well hit, and it is gone! A home run! Freddie Freeman into the pool area. And the Dodgers take a 3 nothing lead. Call corner. Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Joining us now, just Ash today. Um, Ed's actually here, Ash. So. Yeah. Oh, back-to-back uh, -back week? Yeah, I think so. I Absolutely. I'm not going to tell Sam that Ed's only showing up when it's just <laughs> I was going to say, where's the Sammy kid? The last couple of times he has, I, I show up and uh, the Sammy kid's gone. It, um, he's telling me something. He's mad because I texted him after Bishop Gorman modern day and said, go Monarchs. Oh, he's protesting. <laughs> yeah, he's protesting. I got the, hey, I got the mean text back. Speaking of your monarchs, I heard they just turned down the the opportunity to play Bishop uh, St. John Bosco, actually, at SoFi Stadium. At SoFi, really? Oh, are they afraid, Ed? Yes. They yeah. scared? Come on. They scared? Come on. Wow, don't want to get embarrassed in uh, a big stadium like that? I'm hoping yeah. it's at Santa Ana Valley so they can use the excuse we got to have the home field. <sighs> It, no, it is. So they're doing it at the Santa Ana Bowl, and there you go. but everyone's going. It, it was going to be a two-year deal, so the teams, neither team, completely gave up home field advantage. Um, but hey, I kind of think the Monarchs are scared. I do too. That's the, it's the toughest game so far. Obviously, yeah. uh, got past Gorman, so Bosco's the next toughest game. It's a tough game, Ash. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Are you going to go? 
No, I'll be watching from afar. I watch their Twitter. Their Twitter uh, uh, handle is pretty good at updating every score. So yeah, uh, and those I games actually usually are streamed somewhere. Yes. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take a peek. All right. Okay. Don't be scared. Um, Ash, <laughs> I do want to ask you something. We talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but the Brett Favre situation in Mississippi. There was another detail yesterday that. Brett Favre, who's kind of feigned ignorance on the whole getting money from Mississippi Welfare's fund, uh, welfare mm-hmm. fund, there was a report, a story yesterday from Mississippi from text messages where Brett Favre was asking, like, will the media find out uh, about this money? And he got reassurances from somebody working with the governor at the time. No, it's all good. Everything's fine. But uh, ultimately, $5 million got redirected out of the welfare fund in Mississippi and went to Southern Miss to help them build a volleyball facility where Brett Favre's daughter was on the team. And I'm less interested in like the Brett Favre side of this. What happens to public officials that redirect money out of a fund for one thing and send it somewhere else where it's not intended to go? Have you heard of federal prison? I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think that's where they're going to end up. I, I, the, the officials that I've read about that are at the head of these nonprofits and these welfare funds, I think they, they're already facing charges, significant charges. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, no, this is not good stuff. Yeah, okay. Now, <laughs> Highly advise against misappropriating funds. Now, um, a big story in the NBA yesterday, and I guess this is less in the court of law, at least at the moment. I guess it conceivably could go there. But the NBA had close to a year-long investigation into the Suns owner, Robert Sarver. Ultimately, he's been suspended for a year and fined uh, $10 million. The NBA investigation found that he used the N-word uh, more than five, at least five times, uh, the NBA says he was just recounting events, uh, recounting statements from others. Um, he also was found to have not have treated female employees equally. There was a story that ESPN had uh, last year that sort of kicked off this entire investigation where he talked about you know how big of condoms he needed. He asked players about their sexual lives and stuff like that. Um, just from, uh, before we talk anything about potential, like going to court or lawsuits or whatever, just from the NBA side and just your thoughts on the way they handled this, would this be stuff you would think is worth sort of forcing him out? Or do you view a year suspension and $10 million fine as sufficient punishment from a league? Well, so this is interesting. And, uh, when I saw the headline yesterday, it was just son's owner suspended a year, fined ten million, probe finds he used N word repeatedly. I was like, well, why does he get to do it? And uh, the Clippers own- owner got the total ban from the NBA, forced sale. And then that's when I started reading into it, and it appears there's a, the difference came down to the fact that here the Suns owner Robert Sarver wasn't using it in a derogatory negative connotation they they just found he was repeating events still inappropriate but not with hateful intent so that's one reason why I think he's only getting a suspension of one year as opposed to what we saw happen with what I'm I'm blanking on Donald Sterling Donald Sterling Donald Sterling okay Yes. Uh, um, So that's why the major reason I'm thinking there's a difference here. Uh, The $10 million fine, that's the maximum the NBA can levy against an owner. So there they're showing the significance of what they found and how seriously they're taking it. And it looks like the NBA acted quickly. They immediately upon the reports, they initiated an independent investigation. When they got the results, they determined the suspension and fine. And so I think it it was handled appropriately. I don't have any 
information to tell me otherwise. Can if I'm in that company now and I was affected by his behavior and comments, can I sue him? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm surprised. There- I, I, this there's a lot of employees involved. I'm surprised yeah. that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, me too. Um, is there anything like if you're an employee and you feel like you were, uh, you know, verbally assaulted or whatever he said was inappropriate? Is there anything you can can you go after the NBA as well, or is this all simply against Sarver and the Suns? The only way you'd be able to go after the NBA is if the NBA was fully aware of his harassment and did nothing to prevent it and actually almost encouraged it and fostered the hostile, harassing environment that you suffered under. But no, it doesn't appear that the NBA was any way involved in this, so you would just be able to go after Sarver and anyone else that knew and didn't protect you. If he does, if he were to do it again after this punishment, would you be able to go after the NBA since he's still there? Or would the NBA be able to say, well, we punished him and then he did it again so that we tried and he's kept doing it? Well, the NBA, it, it would be on how much oversight they really have on day-to-day operations, but they would be potentially on the hook, the Suns would, for more punitive damages as like a repeat offender. It's absolutely insane when... When a manager or an employee harasses and then they're punished and they stay within an organization and then they do it again, the the fines and the punishment levied against the organization, they multiply by factors of 10. It's crazy. All right. Help me out here uh, if yep. what I remember from journalism school is correct or not. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, the story here is Doug Gottlieb, who hosts a radio show on Fox Sports. Uh, he had a report about Freddie Freeman and Freddie Freeman's agent saying that Freddie Freeman's agent uh, didn't tell him about a contract offer from the Braves. Uh, Freddie Freeman and his agent have both said that that's not true, whatever. But Doug Gottlieb, uh, oh, and the agent was suing Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb then came out last week and fully retracted his statements. He apologized and all that. My question, though, from what I learned in journalism school is that when you're reporting on a public figure you you can't really get sued for like libel or defamation or anything like that unless you knew what you reported was wrong like if you just report something and it turns out that it was incorrect you can't be sued for that unless you knew it was wrong and still reported it anyways am i correct did i learn or remember that correctly you did. Okay. I'm very proud. Wow. You know, your school, you should go back. <laughs> Mississippi to education. And thank them. Yeah, look There's at nothing that. like it. So <laughs> I guess my question then is why would Doug Gottlieb feel the need to issue like a full retraction and apology and like all this? Because it seems like he did that to get out of the lawsuit. But in my view of this, he wouldn't have had to do that to get out of this lawsuit. I guess unless he knew it was false when he reported it. Right. Unless he knew it was false. Also, I mean, look. You make a lot of risk calculations and business decisions when you're involved in a lawsuit as a defendant. And some of that is, do I want to deal with it? For Doug Gottlieb, he goes, look, I just retract the tweet, say I learned more information, I issue an apology or whatever, and move on. Put this all behind me and it goes away. That's, you know, some people like that. The the peace of mind of not having a lawsuit looming over you, that sometimes is an invaluable thing. Um, alternatively, like you said, he maybe knew or had reason to (laughs) significantly believe that what he was saying was untrue. And so, and why would he say it? I don't know. People say things off the cuff all the time on news reports and on Twitter, et cetera. And they just, for 
you know, clout. So is the lawsuit likely dismissed? Yeah, absolutely. It's likely that they engaged in a settlement. And one of the terms was either both sides would handle their attorney's fees and costs on their own, and then Doug Gottlieb would issue this type of statement and retraction and delete the original tweet. And that was just one of the terms of the settlement agreement. And when that occurred, then the case would be dismissed. And it looks like it's already on the court's docket. If uh, Ed's former school refuses to play a football game at SoFi Stadium, can the other school sue them for lack of exposure that they would get from that? Ooh. Ooh. I, you know, I don't think so. Oh, don't all, right, all right. Come on. Come I on. Think I think it really came down to they probably were still in a contract with the Santa Ana Bowl. It was a lot of money. Yes. And yes. it was on a short notice. It's and so I, I anticipate them doing it eventually. Uh, just it might have not worked out financially. Look at diocese schools. That Scared. money. Bosco's going to be favored. We're not leaving the home field. Put the out of your mind. Come on. All right. She's Ash at SamAndAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234. Ash, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ash. Say hi to to, uh, Gorman for me. All right. Bye, guys. So there's Ash from Sam and Ash Law. 702-820-1234. And now... We've got tickets to give away. Wait, what did we do? I forgot. We did Alice Cooper earlier, right? Zach won Alice Cooper tickets. Okay, so we have Aerosmith tickets uh, to give away. If you want to go see Aerosmith, uh, they got a residency going on now through December at Dolby Live at Park MGM. The Deuces are Wild residency. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702-364-1100. You want a pair of tickets to go see Aerosmith? We'll take caller number eight. All right, Jared, this is your segment. This is Jared's Dumb Questions. What? Jared's Dumb Questions. What? Jared's Dumb Questions. We're doomed! It's times like this I wish I were a religious man. It's all over, people. We don't have a prayer. Ah! I regret doing this every time I do it, but yet for some reason I keep allowing it to happen. Let's see. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. You stupid monkey. I love Justice. I think he does a great job. Who was that last guy? Ryan Wallace. All right. I'll I'll give him a pass because it's Ryan. We like Ryan. Congratulations to Jason. He won the Aerosmith tickets. I'm assuming we'll have more of those this week. Yeah, we're going to have Aerosmith and (laughs) Alice Cooper. uh, The most surprising fact about that was that Tyler was able to correctly identify Alice Cooper as a man. That was, I was, it was 50 yeah. 50 yesterday when you were talking about Alice Cooper on whether he would go a male or female. Yeah, he, yep. I, I was genuinely surprised, but he, he, he apparently correctly identified it. Um, all right. So all right, Tyler's it, gone. Tyler is gone. It's usually me who's gone. So Tyler's there is today. a couple of big news story questions I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, the first one is Jeff Perlman, the guy who wrote, yes, he wrote the book on, on Brett, Brett Favre. Yep. In 2016, basically yesterday when all this news came out, formally came out and said, do not buy my book. My book I wrote as a, like, mostly positive, except for all the sexism. And he, like— The treatment of women. Yeah, the treatment of women. And he apologized to to Jen Stroger. Uh, But he basically said, do not buy my book. Now that I have these facts, this is—he's a bad human being, and what I wrote was not— like, that was not an actual biography of this person. Have you ever written anything in your journalistic career where you, uh, like, years later look back and go, yeah, I didn't get that right at all. I whiffed on that bad boy. You mean last week? <laughs> well, okay. 
like not predictions wise, <laughs> but like this is a this is sort of a a biography in a sense is sort of a profile expanded out over the course of. Not sure I can mention people's names. Oh, okay. Well, then I can that's, tell you, that is fair. I can tell you I have done stuff that a year or two later, maybe you, like Jeff Perlman did, you hear things about the person you like go back and read and like, eh, I kind of missed the boat on that one or maybe I should have asked different questions. Not often, but I think it happens. Jeff Perlman, I, I forgot he wrote this book about Brett Favre and Bre- Jeff Perlman's written a lot of books. And yeah, very, I mean, he literally wrote very good. the book that Winning Time was yeah. based off of. So. Exactly. No, he's very good. So... so I'll say it had to happen, given how much I've written over the years. It had to happen a couple times, but I don't. If I remembered specific situations, I probably wouldn't name the person. Well, of course not. But I, I just have to assume that that's got to be one of the tougher things where you're like, will you, will you, will you look back? Yeah, but also the fact that the internet is now infinite. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, nothing, it's not. Nothing it's not, not a paper that gets no. thrown away the next day, and someone go like you know they have to go to the library and get on the the microfiche right. to find that there's Ed Granny that, wrote this in 1999. Yeah, there's nothing out there uh, from my San Diego days or from my Las Vegas days that you can't find. Exactly, I wouldn't think. And so you have to. Everyone's well will probably have to deal with. Yeah, I, I wrote that 15 years yes. ago. Obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't know about Balco at the time. <laughs> um, so the next question is, the Metropolitan Riveters are going to play home games in a New Jersey mall. Uh, the no. Metropolitan Riveters are a, I believe, an independent, or an in, a, uh, sorry, a premier hockey federation team. But they are going to play in a mall that has a 2,000-seat Little arena there, little, popped up. Like, well, I think they're playing like the section of the mall where like two hallways sort of like they threw some ice down. Yeah, they're just gonna throw some ice down, and they're like, "Yeah, go to the second floor, and you can see." <laughs> you can watch it down there. With you some, can watch uh, it with a funnel cake. What is the worst sporting of like venue you've ever had to like? <sighs> I gotta go cover this, and I, I it's in a you know it's in a elementary school theater that they've converted into a gym surprisingly enough the badminton warehouse in china in the beijing olympics that was it appeared to be it appeared to be a warehouse now the tanks were outside guarding it like they were every venue we were at so uh once you got past the tanks it appeared to be a warehouse it was very small and badminton i had to go because i had to watch it live because there's nothing like badminton live at that level I mean, it's just how they do that and how fast they play is just absolutely phenomenal. But I'd have to say in Beijing, the Olympics, uh, it was the warehouse that the badminton was at. They were sewing, like, so two weeks before the Olympics yes, happened. They, they were they, throwing they up were... cardboard boxes and cardboard <laughs> walls to ha- host badminton at the Olympics. Absolutely. That's And there was, I'll say this, there weren't a lot of bad uh, venues in China. China, China... And you'll remember this uh, as well read as you are. China hosted the Olympics, and it was their way of kind of opening their arms to the world. Like, come right. on in. You're going to see, you know, that what you hear is wrong, which I don't agree with that. But they, they did everything they could during oh. those weeks to really go out of their way, other than the tanks guarding everything, to really go out of their way to kind of tell the world we're not that bad in terms of the human rights and all that. And, you know, they... You didn't see that because I think they just kept it away for two weeks no, or three weeks. 
That's actually a really funny story. I have an uncle on my uh, mom's side who was a he was a V. He he did buying for Walmart for for years and years, and uh, he would always tell us stories that like yeah, I had to fly over to China and look at products and go okay yeah we'll take X amount of thousands of these and distribute them in our. Arkansas stores or right. whatever, but he would go, yeah, and then they'd put you in this really nice car that had absolutely blacked out windows. <laughs> you could not see out because they were like, yeah, we're about to drive you past something we don't want yeah. you telling yeah. anybody about. That was, the, that was the strange thing about the Beijing Olympics is that you went with one thought, they made you think something else, and then when the doors closed, you assumed it went back to yeah. what you've read about and what you've heard about all those years. That's got to be, I don't know, That's that's got to be one of those, um, and I know Bob Costas has struggled with this publicly in the past, where you have, like, you're, like, morally, like, yeah, we're about to do a World Cup in Qatar. Right. I know how they built these stadiums, but my job is to go, the U.S. tied 1-1. <laughs> and I'm like, is this morally kind of right. weird for me? I always find that sort of intellectual duality kind of interesting. Final question before we head uh, to a break. What is the most annoying thing, the most annoying answer you, as a member of the media, get consistently from a coach or player as a, like, that's not an answer answer to one of your questions? And may I nominate, it is what it is. It is what it is is a leading one. Uh, the one I get, uh, well, I don't get as much anymore, but I used to get all the time when kids would commit is they treated me like family. Yeah. Everyone, there's the, every, everyone's family. They treated, that's the reason I signed with these is like the other five schools didn't, but that's yeah. the one it's over and over and over. They treated me like family. We're family here. We're family there until I go in the portal six months from now and go to my new family. Uh, they treated me like family. And then suddenly once I signed, they treated yeah. me like you know, a strange family. strange family where I'm not starting like they promised me. But is it is what it is, is by far the leading the leader in the clubhouse. And so uh something real quick, I know I said we go to break, but uh I thought it was hilarious that Adam Hill uh yesterday like he had to ask the question to the defensive coordinator like about Nate Hobbs penalty, but he can't actually go like, Hey, what'd you think about the penalty? Because that would get him fined. Right. And so there's just this now this like poetic dance of Okay, I know you know, I know you I, can't answer it, but and, and, and you know I like I'm trying not to ask right. it that way. But someone has to ask. Adam's it. a pro because he got the question out and he got a good answer from him. Yeah, he, we don't. You should have seen the smile on uh, Patrick Graham's face too, because he knew he was treading some water there. Because you're not gonna you're not gonna comment you know directly on officials like you said, but. He he gave Adam a big smile because he knew Adam was trying to get the question out, which Adam did a great job of doing. Uh, Adam does uh, those questions really well. He asks a lot of questions on those media conferences. But you're right. There was a little smile from Patrick Graham like, I can't really answer this, so I'm just going to say it's a tough play to call, <laughs> I just which love is what he said. I just love the idea that, like, all right, I have to ask this. My editor says I have to ask it, but I have to ask it in a way that he'll answer, which he's not going to answer. It just, I'm so glad I'm on this side of the, the glass <laughs> where I just get to go. Here's a dumb thing. I got to go. All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I we'll... see Danny outside. I was hoping he'd get in here to be dumb with us, but uh, we'll find out. Afternoon. For your body physically at an older age because it requires so much more care. Now, it requires care when you're younger too, but at the same time, 
there's no margin of error when you're 45. You know, you take hits and you feel every hit. When you're younger, you have your body's a lot different. And when you're 45, your body changes a lot. So what am I dealing with now? I woke up today going, holy, that was a, you know, there was a few hits. And, and uh, you know, you look at your arm and you got bruises, you got cuts and you got, you know, the way it is. And you go, okay, how much longer do I, I want to make this commitment? And I obviously made the commitment for this year and everything's going to be, you know, like always continue to evaluate, you know, all these different aspects of playing. You're locked in the press box. Tom Brady coming back with cuts in his arms and bruises. Man, what do you what do you expect? Forty five and you're playing and you're playing against the mighty Dallas Cowboys. I mean, come on. Danny's in Danny's in the house. Tyler's gone. It's Jared I and Danny. And Danny, uh you, you missed the dumb questions. Why why weren't you here? Uh well, you know, I, I saw the light on and I don't like to interrupt on. shows. No. I, you're uh, part of the show. Just walk <laughs> in. Yeah. That's all right. Well, but you did tell me about your dumb question. And that was a minute and a half ago, and I already forgot. What was it again? Okay, there were a couple. Uh, worst place you've ever had to cover an event because a uh, be careful now. A hockey um, a hockey team is going to play their games in a mall in New Jersey. That's going to be their home stadium. Is the like center area of a mall? That would actually be pretty cool. Okay, I would enjoy right. that. Okay. I, I just don't like to get made fun of by teenagers um that's why i avoid them all um and then jeff perlman basically saying i wrote this autobiography don't buy it how what was the what's something that you look back in the past and go oh yeah i was wrong i was real wrong about that uh just because my journalism career is pretty young i mean i've only been writing for about a year so i don't think i've had that but in terms of like uh, bad places to cover events. I haven't had one of those yet. However, being out here in Nevada, a lot of the events I cover are outside. Ooh, yeah. And covering events in the summer or early fall, like yeah. around this time, sitting out there, there's no shade. It's like 95 to 100 degrees. It's pretty miserable. So you've been to training camp at the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been out there. Maybe once or twice. All right. You're watching. You're watching. Uh, you're watching like two seventeen-year-olds like slowly dying on a field while you're slowly dying there, going. <laughs> and oh, yeah. he hit a line drive. <laughs> oh yeah, covering. Uh, uh, I've covered a couple of soccer games in the past couple of weeks, and just brutal going up and down the sidelines when it's 110. I got my notepad and it's kind of moist because my hands are sweating. <laughs> oh. And I'm trying to take pictures while I'm trying to write notes and being a one-man journalist, you know? Now, in soccer, the walking up and down the sideline, I don't know if you need to do much of that, do you? No. Can't you it, stand at midfield of the pitch and watch? It usually, um, I'll, like, for one half, I'll just go up and down the offensive side of the field for the team that I'm covering. And then in the other half, I'll go up and down the defensive side so that I can get pictures of both defensive and offensive players. It's called being a multimedia journalist. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. right. You're darn right. Good for you. And you're taking pictures. Oh, yeah. Boy. All uh, right, Danny, this is this is one of the reasons I always love having you on. What is what is our bet for this week? What is our, what's your play? What's our three-team parlay? What is our... Uh, you know what? I haven't made any parlays yet because I was just completely defeated by this past weekend. <laughs> All right, what's the bad beat? Have we, have we covered the bad beat on the show um, yet? I lost both of my parlays Wait, thanks to... Already? 
uh, for last for week. week. One. Oh, I was gonna say, my guest. I lost both of my parlays thanks to the fantastic kicking of both the Bengals and the Colts. Oh, brutal! I needed both teams just to win, and they both lost. Oh man, you! I just, I just love that football as a concept is a. Like real estate acquisition where we have 11 guys line up against 11 guys and they fight and they try to move this ball down the field. And then a guy comes in and he gets to kick. And if it was up to Tyler, it'd only be one guy. Like it would be. (laughs) It'd be the the safety. But it'd be like, all right, so, all right, well, the Lakers and the Clippers have tied. It's at 101-101. Now we're bringing in Ryan Lochte, and he's going to go race a guy because that's how the game's decided. I mean, I would have much rather had uh, – who was the uh, the Chiefs kicker? Was it Reed? Justin Re- Jason Reed. Jason Reed. I would have had him over McPherson after what happened. <laughs> that was a disaster. But uh, for this week so far, oh, here we go. I've only made college bets. I haven't done NFL just yet, but I will have some for tomorrow. Um, so to kick off this weekend, Friday, I do have air force minus 15 against Wyoming. Okay. Air force is good. They're the one, they're the one team in the mountain West, along with maybe Fresno that you're like, okay, that's like a legitimate team. Yeah. I like air force just to run all over them. Uh, I also have Nevada plus 23 because Iowa can't do anything right now. Offensively. That's not a bad bet. Even though incarnate word took, uh, Nevada to the shed a little. Ah, that's all right. Hey, they didn't beat him by 23, though, so uh, well. still covered. Uh, and then <laughs> based on our conversation the other day, I took Utah minus 21 against San Diego State. Oh, don't put this on me. Well, no. You're going to put I'm, this on me I'm now? I'm not putting this on you. I'm saying we had a conversation that we expect Yeah, I think San Diego State is going to get beat pretty bad, but I don't want to be the one that, the reason that you're losing your parlays now. No, you won't be the reason. I make the choices. Is this a parlay or are these straight bets? No, these are just straight bets. Yeah, you have no chance. 